The following program contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. The Get Off My Lawn podcast is online with our, I guess I'm going to say, our inaugural issue, issue, edition. This is your host, Jay, a.k.a. J.C., a.k.a. J. Caesar, a.k.a. Law T., a.k.a. The Hip Hop Taliban. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm here with my co-host. East Coast and West Coast Dre. Queens representing. Queens is always in the building, brother. There we go. <laughs> What's up? This is, uh, I guess I'm East Coast Dre. I'm Andre Cole. At Andre Cole everywhere. Oh, check you out. Yeah. Look at, see? <clears throat> I'm still in that old media uh, frame of mind. I forgot you got to put yourself over and hit up. Yeah, where where can we reach you? Yeah. Got you. Got your Are tw- you on Twitter? Right. I'm, I'm on. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram a little bit, but you know, I'm, I'm mostly. I'm mostly tweeting. That's nice. I'm mostly tweeting. Mostly tweeting. Check you out. <laughs> and West Coast Dre, before we ask you where to find you, let me just note that yesterday I was at uh, came out to your kids' soccer game, and you were using a. <laughs> It was what a motor a Motorola flip phone with a cracked screen. <laughs> That's where you can find me. You can find me at kids soccer games. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are here because I know at our age, uh, you know, family, kids, all kinds of other commitments uh, make it difficult to find the time. Uh, do things that we want to do like podcasts and who knows what else so if you hear either of the Dre's yelling at their kids in the background then you know hey it's kind of how it goes yeah I hear Zane coming down the stairs now so please <laughs> hey it's all it's going to add to the flavor some of the authenticity because what we're trying to do here is we're bringing a perspective to uh, the discourse on his hip hop, 
and I don't even know if there really is a discourse on hip-hop, not by anyone who has any kind of serious positions to take and no real monetary stake in the whole thing. Um, we're pretty much just doing this for, for the love, baby, for the love of the game. And for all of our listeners, the B-boys and B-girls, the B-men, the B-women, wherever you're (laughs) listening, however you're listening, we appreciate you and your support. You're going to find something that that you like, but before we kind of get into the format of the show and how it works, I mentioned to someone earlier this week that... They asked, Who, who's the target audience for this thing? And I told them just that. <clears throat> B-boys, B-girls, B-men, B-women. And they were like, what's that? I said, well, that's, that's interesting, but here's a test. I'm going to let everybody who's listening take the test right now to find out whether you're a B-boy or a B-man, B-girl or a B-woman. We'll give it to you right now. Just take a listen and you'll be able to figure it out. Okay, now before we go on, if you, you can't recognize do that. You can't do that. You can't <laughs> I know. That. But see that's the thing. If you recognize those horns, you've already earned the B. Okay. <laughs> that's just enough <clears throat> but now we have to go back and figure out the rest of the test so here we go heard that if your reaction when the beat dropped was to jump up and get your up rock and your footwork on and then drop down for some windmills and backspins, then you're a b-boy or a b-girl. If your first thought when the beat dropped was to think about up rocking and footwork and dropping down for windmills and backspin, and just the thought of that made you think you needed to take a nap, then you're a <laughs> B-man or a B-woman. I'm a B-man, but I also almost jumped up and started dancing like rerun on what's happening. <laughs> well, hey, if my you're... Red, red, get my red cap. 
if you're also if you're when the beat dropped if if your thought was I'd like to start up rocking and get some footwork and drop down for some windmills but I don't know if my Obamacare covers slip discs <laughs> blown ACLs and broken ankles then you're a B, B man B woman and there's nothing wrong with that but if you go to what you, any what are you go, East Coast? I'm, 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 I was, I was thinking about dancing. I was thinking about dancing, but I wasn't going to do it. I mean, I, my floor is kind of like cement and, you know, I'm thinking about that Obamacare side of it and, and, and hurt backs and stuff. But the, that was bad when you stopped it before the beat dropped. Like that was like, you just can't do that to that song. Like, um, you, I, I felt like somebody had taken that, the breath out of me when you did that. I was like, that's what I was like. You can't, you can't. You, you just can't do that. Like that's that's how you can get that's how you can get beat up on the East Coast. Like if you just if somebody did that as a DJ, the whole crowd would just be like, I don't care, be boy, be girl, be woman, hipster. The whole crowd would just stop. Like what the fuck are you doing? You're done. Yeah, you're done. <clears throat> Goodbye. Damn. See that's some <laughs> that's some real. See we were <laughs> that's some grimy. <laughs> Right, that's, yeah, that's that old school. You might, might spray paint in your face or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> are you wearing Are you wearing Tim's right now? <laughs> right. Is the camera pointing up? Yeah. Those those old '90s East Coast videos where somebody's getting the beat down shot. No, no, no Tim's right now. But for, for for everybody to know, I do have about eight pairs of very beat up Tim's in my garage right now, all lined up. In the years that they were, I received them, and what they are used for now was like doing a lawn. Wow! Which so he wants people to get off of. So yeah, you do, so you do the lawn, and Timberlands and Carhartt jackets. No, I do. I shovel snow in Timberlands and Carhartt jacket. Okay. Damn. That's, I mean, that's you know, that's East Coast for you. I have pictures of me if you ever see my Instagram. I have pictures of me in a waterfall in Jamaica, wearing a tank top, some camouflage shorts, and some Timberlands in a waterfall. Um, <laughs> East Coast go hard. <laughs> wow, damn! I thought I took hip hop seriously. We've only been. This is our first, our first edition first episode and we've been on about four and a half minutes and East Coast Dre's already threatened to beat my ass for cutting the Jimmy Caster break. <laughs> he's, he's standing in waterfalls with Timberlands and camouflage. Probably, do you have a razor under your tongue? <laughs> nah, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. I can't help uh, you Wow. Damn. Uh, I, I was in Compton recently. <laughs> tread, tread lightly. <laughs> that, that's gonna be that's gonna be a classic. If you cut that break, I'll kick your motherfucking ass. Yep, cut, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> wow, you can't cut that break, brother. Don't not cut that break. This drive by, I might need some <laughs> <laughs> protection. Shit. <laughs> Big city of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, off to look outside. Is it drained? Is it drained? That's what they say every single motherfucking day. <laughs> <clears throat> See if I can regain my composure. 
<laughs> I'm out. Both uh, West Coast Gray and I are out here in LA. I might end up running down the alley in slow motion, like boys in the hood. You might catch me slipping at a stop sign like uh, menace. <laughs> nah, no. the sweetest that are moving from the decks, man. When it, when it when it comes to that, you know, I mean, it's you know, it's it's crazy because East Coast, you know, we still, you know, people there there's still a section that takes takes the hip hop stuff really really seriously. So you know, they're with all the people that coming into it and doing whatever they do and the music sound and whatever it sounds like on the East Coast, especially in New York, whatever it sounds like, there's still people who are still, you know, you'll still get those those break dance moments in a party. Mm-hmm. So you know, which is always surprising me. I'm older, so I mean, if I go in a club or something, and they play some hip hop, I'm hating it anyway. But once those breaks start coming on, people start breaking out. Like, you know, it's often the Asian kids too, which is crazy. Yeah, we get that out here, but I've got to go back a few seconds. When you go in the club, what do you mean when you go in the club? <laughs> what does that mean? You're still in the club. You're still in the clubs. <laughs> We well now usually it's like an event in the club. I'm not like going like oh my Saturday is you know I'm I'm going to the hip hop trip, but it's like it's like an event. So sometimes you know there's some hip hop events, some very industry stuff. So if you go there, well when I go there, I should say when I go there, you know I, I'm just kind of still kind of surprised and, and happy that there's some um, there's still some there's still some b boy era type stuff happening with you know. Well, something I go to. I don't know about and, dan- and and dance battles break out like electro rock versus TKO. Yeah, mostly individuals though. Mostly individuals. So it's like you know they might, they might even know each other or something. But I need to come out to the East Coast more often. Yeah, but <clears throat> make sure you got your hip hop hip hop credentials in check, or they'll <laughs> <laughs> put some Scarface on you. Boom, boom, boom on your black ass, bitch. <laughs> Yo, I love, I love that sound up. That's that's us. That's a favorite. My, my brother and I, we we say that often. Really? When, when we're angry. Boom, boom, boom on your black ass, bitch. Yeah, but we'll we'll whisper. We can even be at my parents' house and we'll whisper to each other. So. One of my favorite ghetto boy songs of all time. I mean, let's just talk for a second and 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 absorb the 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 realness the hip-hop seriousness we're dealing with here. All right, here. so he already threatened to beat me down for cutting a break. <laughs> then he's wearing Timberlands and camouflage on vacation in the tropics. And now he and his brother say this frequently. Boom, boom, boom on your black ass, bitch. From the second side of the second Ghetto Boys album. <laughs> that no one's ever heard but us. I like it. Then he goes up in the club. You got, you go in there Plaxico Burr style with your with your nine tucked in your waistband. In the, in the waistband of my sweatpants. Yeah. The most ridiculous thing ever happening in New York. But now, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I know some of the topics we're gonna talk about. I'm I'm sure I'm gonna it's gonna be dialed down soon. People gonna aren't gonna think I'm so hip hop in a little bit. Hey, <laughs> I don't know you. <clears throat> You got your shit solidified right now. Yeah. <laughs> you got stripes, son. <laughs> so, yeah. We wear his vest. When we talk about the, the topics, <laughs> yeah, are you riding a quad runner doing wheelies down the street? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still 40, 41. 
So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm old. I got kids. I'm, I'm sitting in the house reading uh, unfortunate new hip-hop news. Uh, All right. Well, I guess we can sort of go into what the what the format is, what people can expect. Essentially, we're going to be talking about all things hip-hop from our perspective. A lot of people in our demographic have pretty much kind of checked out of hip-hop. They've aged out and aren't really looking for any new music, aren't really open to any new music. Um, when they come across it, they're not feeling it. And Sounds like, sounds like me. It, it does. It does sound like you. Kind of sounds like me, but I do a lot of digging on the internet, and I've found myself constantly in these discussions with people our age who would tell me that uh, hip-hop is dead and we need to get it back to the way it was and I'm like come on there's good hip-hop out there and so what we're gonna try to do on this show is expose people to some of the new quality hip-hop look back at some of the older hip-hop from the golden age which occurred during our formative years and West Coast Dre and I had a, a discussion about this about when we would sort of bookend the golden year, the golden era and we kind of I think what did we settle on like 88 to 95 or did we 94 I think it was more like 94 94 what? is kind of when it started to go a little bit differently What's your, what's your take? I mean, I, mean, I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I still, I'm, I'm still thinking it's 93, but you know, I, I think you can slip in 94. See, I, I, think, yeah. I think there's some good stuff that came out of 94. So yeah, 88. I mean, you can even probably push it like 87 and then, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about 94 and what, I, what came out of 94 to me was, what was in 94? Like. Big? First big, first big album. Right, the first big album. But I think that was, I don't even. Um, I think. I mean, I can't give '94 just for that one album. What year was uh, <clears throat> Midnight Marauders? Was '93. Midnight Marauders was '93. That's correct. Right. And then, uh, Thirty Six Chambers. That was '93. Three. Nine, 93. 93. Okay. Huh. Yeah, then 94 might be... 94 might be... I'd say, okay, so West Coast has 95, East Coast has 93, so then we'll split the difference and call it 94. Um, as for 87, I think that's a little... We're still into that, you know... Party people in the house. No, no there was some, there was a lot of LL happening in '87. Yeah, there was a lot of LL happening. A lot of LL. Even before that, we had the Beastie Boys, Run D. Yeah, it was. I don't know. Was that? See, I guess. I, guess I'm so old, I don't remember the timelines. '87. Yeah, we had some like Juice Crew in there. '87. Hmm. I mean, it was a license to ill was 86, right? Was or 87. Yeah. Yeah. 86 or 87. Really? 
Yeah, so we you can take it back further. All right, so then we'll broaden it up. Eighty-seven, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Eighty-seven. Wow. Yeah, license license the ill. Eighty-six. So no. it's coming up on its thirtieth anniversary next year. Wow. Yeah. See, and so here's the thing, and this is exactly why. Uh, started this podcast because people who are 40 right now, right in that Generation X uh, grouping, our formative years, our junior high, high school, and college years pretty much occurred right in the heart of the golden era. So not only were we spoiled with just an embarrassment of classic music, we can now look back and and compare and contrast in a way that people older than us can't do and people younger than us definitely can't do because they can they can download the music, they can buy the reissued Lab Cabin California, the reissued Illmatic, but there was a whole different thing to uh, being around when Nas dropped or when you turn on Rap City or Yo! MTV Raps and, you know, you see the Wu-Tang Clan on there. Just, there was something different. You can go back and read about it. Well, you could read about it if anybody took hip-hop seriously enough to document the history of the culture. But, you know, for the most part... The people I run into, the younger kids who are really into hip-hop, they know about what they're supposed to know about. They know about Illmatic, they know about 36 Chambers, but beyond that, their their knowledge is a little is a little light. Well, I mean, I think one of the one of the things was that we, you know, people who grew up in that generation era, Generation X, and we grew up in the golden eras that we were, you know, we were spoiled. We were spoiled with all of this great music, and it was not everything during the golden era was good. But we were spoiled with some of that hot music. We were spoiled, and that's why I think that being so spoiled is the reason why we have you know this era now where we're very much you know get off our damn lawn era because we're like we're so used to being able to like find good music without a problem, and now it's like you really have to dig. You really have to dig for something that you like that you know can compare to that era. Yeah, and, and certain people, <clears throat> West Coast right, aren't interested in digging. At all. Oh, I'm not interested in digging at all either. Like, no. nah, forget it. Like, I'm I'm not digging. I'm not searching for music anymore. The, 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 the musical canon is closed. I'm good. It's like expanding on the Bible. It's, uh, uh, we, we don't need that. It, the story's been told. I'm good. We're moving on. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm definitely not the person that's gonna go digging for digging for new music. Like to me, I'm at the point now where the cream has to rise so I can get it. Like I'm like, oh, you know, that Kendrick Lamar album is hot, so I'll listen to it. Or you know, an art like an artist, an artist to make it to me is, and people say that it's good, then I'm gonna listen to it and make my. No, make, I'm not looking for a dope artist anymore. I'm not. I'm not googling dope artist and and trying to find <laughs> listening to eight thousand tracks. Like I'm not listening to eight thousand tracks. I I did that once once upon a time in my life. Of, you know, searching for new music. Uh, sorry. 
I'm good. Well, <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. I'll buy the old albums. And that. Wow. Okay. I didn't. It looks like I'm the one who's who's, who's going to be the uh, the outsider. Yeah, you're still, you're still you're still digging through virtual crates. I've already moved on. I'm still listening to I'm Bad. So then that's anyone who's been been listening to this point can clearly see see where the contrasts are going to come into play as we go through we're going to have some reviews but usually what we're going to do and a little bit of this is still a work in progress we'll iron some things out change things here and there but in the uh I hate to say this, but in the spirit of the Bill O'Reilly talking points. Oh. I know, right? Yeah. yeah but, <laughs> hey. Name in town, name in town, name in town. If you wish to opine. <laughs> We're going to have a primary topic. It's usually going to be something that should bring about a fairly robust debate, especially considering... I'm here with two people who refuse to dig for music because their hip hop canon is closed. And if you don't have, if you don't have the password, if you don't have a cup full of cream that's risen to the top, then Dre on the East Coast isn't going to hear you. And if I don't download it and take it to his house and load it on his Chromebook and press play, West Coast Dre won't hear it. So, At all. So it's all good, but. Today's topic is one that just appeared to me, uh, I'd say this is probably about a month or so ago in my email box, and uh, I've got my take on it, and then we'll come back and see what the, uh, what the Dre's think after I... Kick my little, kick my little thoughts. How is, uh, you said your wife is, how, what about Janet and the rest of the family, the daughters and everything? They're all doing fine. But I want to make this statement. This is a real good statement here. formative years I spoke of in junior high we'd get the Sunday paper we'd get various random magazines delivered to the house and inside there were coupons and inserts 
the most important of which, to me at least, were the ones from either Columbia House or BMG. And what they were, were these companies, and they had a list of maybe a hundred different albums by popular artists that were out at the time. And they had a special deal. They would give you 11 cassette tapes, and all you had to do was check the box for every artist you wanted, so I could get Al B. Sure, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Keith Sweat, whatever, all 11. All I had to do was fill in my name on the little address uh, line, and then tape a penny to the actual ad, stick it in the mail, send it off. In four to six weeks, I would have 11 or 12 brand new cassette tapes that I only paid a penny for. Meanwhile, if I went to my local record shop to buy those same cassettes, they'd be $10, $11 each. So right then is when I became aware that the music biz was a hustle. And if I could get one album in the store for 11 bucks, or I could tape a penny to a piece of paper and get it in the mail for a tenth of a cent, then it couldn't cost that much to actually produce the cassettes. And that's sort of the philosophy I've kind of operated with in the years since as I moved on to CDs, which were even cheaper to make than cassettes, but ended up costing more. And as we moved into the digital realm, where there's no labor cost as far as producing the the product that I'm purchasing after the song is made and the band members get paid, and yet the cost is still essentially the same as it was for this physical product that I used to purchase in the past. Well, about a month ago, I got an email from De La Soul, and they were informing me that they were uh, about to produce a new album, and they had a Kickstarter campaign to allow fans to contribute various amounts of money to help them uh, produce this album. So if I paid 10 to $15, contributed that to their Kickstarter, then I would receive a copy of the album uh, available for download before it was released to the general public, which is all good. But the appeal that Dela was making is that, hey, if you're fans of the music, you should pay us to show your support so that we can produce this album. So in their initial Kickstarter campaign, they were asking for roughly $110,000 to complete the, complete the album. Well, they reached that goal in a matter of hours. And by the time the Kickstarter campaign ended, they earned just over $600,000 in contributions. Now, in subsequent interviews, they mentioned how this money wasn't going into their pockets and this is what the fans should do and this is the new model in the new digital age. However, 
they also mentioned that $110,000 was slightly less than the actual cost to finish the album. They didn't want to be greedy in their words. That's cool, but I know that a De La Soul album doesn't cost $600,000 to produce, so it begs the question, is this the new model? And their appeal to the fans, sort of using fan loyalty to almost guilt trip people into paying for their music and supporting this project, is that... Is that acceptable? I mean, now granted, it's a hustle. And I'm not knocking the hustle because hip hop's always been about the hustle. But make no mistake, just because it's a positive classic uh, group held in high esteem doesn't make it any less of a hustle. And I'm glad that De La Soul is uh, able to raise this money and produce new music. But I refuse to be hustled. And that's how it's going to be, and that's how it's been. So whether it was Columbia House or BMG putting me on to let me know how much music really costs to produce, or whether it's De La Soul's Kickstarter campaign and this $600,000 they raised, a hustle's a hustle, and I'm not getting hustled. What about you? I've not contributed. But do you East Coast? Do you agree? In essence, I do, but I, at the same time, it's De La Soul, right? So for the, I've been enjoying them for the past close to thirty years, and I've put relatively few dollars in their pockets, and to this day, I'm still listening to the Buddy remix. So in a way, I feel like you know, kick them a few dollars here and there on their Kickstarter is almost like back pay almost like reparations <laughs> well I, I don't think it was a hustle I don't think it's a hustle more than anything else in the in any industry and um like I, I agree definitely agree with uh, West Coast Dre as far as you know the, the music that they've put out they I mean they remember last year they put their entire discography for free they gave it away the entire discography like every day like you can have every day last soul album they ever made all of their uh, B-sides, all of their rare hits, their remixes, right. they just gave it all away. Anything you want, here you go. And I've got, and I, you know, I've sent in my little email address. They sent it to me. I, you know, downloaded. I have all of it. You know, all in good, great quality, which is hard. You know, I had cassettes and you know, and moving into CDs or some of that stuff. So it's great. It's a great idea. And remember, this six hundred thousand dollars that they raised on Kickstarter came from looking at now eleven thousand. 169 backers. Yo, you're not even gold with this not, money. Like, not, you're not even. You're not even. You're not, you're not even. You're not even copper. You're not even double wood. Like with with the, with the amount of money that they made from it. So it's, I mean, because a lot of this stuff is like, oh, not only are you getting a copy of the album, but sometimes you know it's um, they had really good pledge stuff too. That you know you get T-shirts and sneakers and and um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, little like jump drives. But you got to pay way drives. more to get that though, right? You got to pay like in the thousands to get a, a sneaker. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> to go well, yeah, sit you, in on a studio session that was like that was like about. 
<laughs> right. I mean, but I don't think anybody was really going for that. I think it was a, the normal normal people who were paying the thirty dollars to get the USB drive or the ten dollars, twelve dollars to get the album ahead of time. I don't think it's. And I also don't think it's the same as that as that Columbia because the Columbia thing was a crazy hustle too. Because remember, oh, yeah. not only did you get those eleven CDs for a penny, but then you had to buy like three to six. Yeah, yeah, you got to sign a lifetime. Con- you had to buy a lifetime contract. <laughs> it, was, it was like getting a, a record store credit card. You had you had to buy these three or six albums at their regular rate, and their regular rate was almost twice what you would pay in a record store. Yeah, but the, but the thing was, nobody did. I was like thirteen years old. I didn't. All I had to do was just write. They didn't know. It wasn't like I had to give them my credit card. I taped a penny to a piece of paper. Right, and, and then Columbia happen, House was on. Columbia House was on your uh, credit report to your twenty-five. Yeah, <laughs> they send. They, they were hitting you up. They were sending you those little yeah. leaflets. So I mean, I think it's a different. I think it's a different thing. I think especially for especially for Dela, who you know who have consistently made great music. They've been making good music. Um, I heard some new music they made like in the last couple of years. It's been really good, and I was looking forward to it. Um, and then those albums didn't come out, and it's like you know that's that the thing about um, you know the hundred ten thousand dollars they originally asked for. That's the that's the way you do Kickstarter. You're supposed to ask for less than what it really costs, and then you know that's how people can kind of you you know you start you know you start low and maybe you can get your money and then you can make the rest of it happen. Um, but you know I'm, I'm with Dayline and the fact that they. I think this is the new model for for artists like this. This is definitely the new model for for them. Like you, they're not you're not gonna get the kind of album that you want from De La Soul or any or a tribe called Quest. You're not gonna get the kind of album that you want without them doing it themselves. Because any anytime you go, they go into a building and they get a record deal. All of a sudden, every album that they make is gonna have to have whatever the whack rapper of the day is on it. They have to fill it full of people that you don't want to hear in order for the record label to sell it. Yeah, so you say unless you want to hear uh, Q-Tip featuring Big Sean, pay up. <laughs> right. That's exactly what I'm saying. But see, here's the thing, and they've got you guys hook, line, and sinker because you guys made the exact argument that they've been making. That hey, hey, we've been giving you great music since since the '80s, and we didn't make a lot of money, so you owe us. Pay me. And the thing is this: so you brought up that they gave away their whole catalog for free, which to me is part of the whole hustle because by giving the catalog away for free, that's how they got those eleven thousand email addresses. But <laughs> even going back further than that. The only reason they gave it away for free is because they could never get the samples cleared in order to put it on iTunes or Spotify or Pandora. So that's why they gave it away for free. They didn't give it away for free because they love you guys and you, you fans <laughs> you fans deserve it. We if if Pasta News could have sold that shit, he would have sold it in a minute. But a lot of those a lot of samples were clear already though. A but, lot of those samples were clear. But what happened and <clears throat> We have a, I have a clip, but people can find it. There's an interview. There's two interviews, two key interviews. There's one they did with uh, Vlad TV, and which is more directed towards a hip hop audience, and they're kind of talking to you guys, you loyal fans. Then there's another one they did with Forbes, where the Forbes interviewer is talking business. And what happened was their original contract for for the first few albums. When they cleared the samples, the language in the contract didn't include 
anything about digital formats. So it was cool for CD and vinyl and um, cassette, but digital really kind of didn't even exist as a you know huge thing. So in order for them to go back, all that has to be renegotiated with all the people they sampled from. And apparently, especially on that first album, they sampled from you know just a ton of people and you know so they couldn't do that so because they couldn't do that they said let's give it away for free now what I think is they said let's give it away for free but only if people give us their email addresses then we can come back into a Kickstarter and send them these emails and yes then, that, it's like that it's that Obama model yeah but but again that's the hustle. That's my whole point is that's the hustle. Or I mean, are we is there is Yeah, but you know, you know the the you know the hip hop ideal, right? Is these guys should basically be out there rapping for free uh, in the park. But you know, as we're talking about here now we're for, you know, Pastanus has got to get his blood pressure checked. <laughs> He's got to <laughs> you know, these guys have bills. So, you know, going back 30 years, they raised 600 grand. They're going to drop maybe 400 in production, 200,000 left between the three of them. It's a good year's pay. I no, say no. let them have the money. But see, you're missing the you're missing the hustle part. So, that's the first part. We established that, well, maybe you agree or don't agree. That's my argument. That's the initial hustle. Now we get into what they raised. So, let's say even I mean East Coast Dre would probably have a better gauge of, of the cost or than I do but if they were asking for a hundred thousand let's say it costs what three hundred thousand are we really thinking they put two hundred thousand of their own money into this how what they, would you they put a lot of money into it because you know the the the, the, the concept of the album is that they recorded, they did a bunch of jam sessions, and the plan was to sample themselves through those jam sessions. So it's also like the pre-production had already been paid for, and now it's like, how do you continue the production of the album itself? And so, so when I heard that they were going to pay, when when, I, when they said one hundred ten thousand dollars to make this next album, first my first thought was it costs that little to make a De La Soul album, because one hundred ten thousand dollars, in you know. 96 97 that was Timberland's cost for one song mm. so if you paid $110,000 for one song like um what's that be uh uh uh, uh Jay-Z um Big Pimpin that mm. was $110,000 beat so wow. the fact that so right so the fact that they asked this amount of money and you know in De La Soul they do a lot of stuff they have their own studio and they you know they do a lot of stuff very in-house the fact that they were spending they said oh $110,000 my question was is this strictly to pay the engineer for the course of the album like that's what I thought I thought it was more of administration fees more administration costs like oh we're not going to pull all this money we don't have to pull this money out of our own pocket let's pull our money out the money out of our pocket to pay for the album and the stuff that's admitted to administer, administer the album is what we're asking the fans for so we can actually get the album out and they put together a whole studio full of musicians, right? So they got to get paid yeah. as well. 
right. So those and I've and I've been in those and I've seen those people who who to do studio sessions and you know complain about oh I didn't get paid and oh I actually helped make uh, Lauren Hill. Lauren, remember Lauren Hill had that whole lawsuit where people who performed on that first on that Miseducation album, you know, they helped produce those songs. They were like, listen, we didn't get what we were supposed to get paid for this album, and they sued her. So it's, I mean, it's, it's. Oh, so that's why she went crazy. <laughs> no, she. But I'm not gonna say about. I'm not gonna say she went crazy. But it's an, it's an insanity defense. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I don't. I mean, there's a hustle and there's a hustle, and I, I don't know if this is. I don't know if I would call Daylight Souls Kickstarter a hustle. I, I would say it's, it's a, it's a, it's a craft. It's a way to kind of get, get your music out and do what you want to do. Um, this, this is the greatest hustle in the history of hip-hop because if it wasn't De La Soul, if it was somebody you didn't respect, if it was 2 chains, bit it, you'd be like, <laughs> that nigga's got a hustle. No, Here's, but the, the problem was, if it was 2 chains, he would have made double the amount of time and less, double amount of money in less time. Perhaps, but I mean, okay, you're dealing with De La Soul, so they raised 600000 We're in a great, let's just if we round it off and say it cost them 300000 to make the album, is that, should that well, be fair? Including the musicians and all that? I don't know. Yeah, let's uh, let's agree on that. Let's say that's 300000 So let's say it's 300000 Okay. So all you fans kicked in this money. So before they even put anything out, they've already made a $300,000 profit. Now they're going to sell the album. So every so and because of the way they got you fans, you loyal fans to pay for it, there's nothing they have to recoup in order to, you know, pay Tommy Boy or Universal. It's all profit. They've cleared you guys took care of all their production costs and they made a profit. Now they're gonna sell this album. Well look at it this way. I mean we're talking about De La Soul here again, not two chains, so it's almost as if everyone who contributed, that's the entire De La Soul buying public. I mean, how many more people are actually going to go buy this album now? I don't know, but every person, if only one person buys it, that's 15 more dollars of profit. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, like, I love, I, don't get me wrong, I love De La Soul and their music and the whole deal. But I bought... I bought the uh, Three Feet High and Rising cassette. I Me bought too. De La Soul is Dead on cassette. Then they decided, oh no, you know what? We're changing the CDs. I bought Three Feet High and Rising on CD. I bought uh, Balloon Mind Stayed on CD. Mm-hmm. I bought, I think I still have the cassette because I. they had that weird period where you kind of had to, in a lot of cases, you bought both. Both of them, yeah. I don't feel like I owe De La Soul shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about for the new album? So what, you, what you about it? You don't contribute to the campaign, so you're just gonna buy it outright. He's gonna spend the fifteen dollars. I'm gonna buy it outright. <laughs> He's not gonna buy it. I don't no. think. I don't think. I don't think JC's buying anything. Now, when De La Soul comes to LA and does a show, I'll be there right in the front row. Somebody say hey <laughs> <laughs> But this idea that the loyal fans, like, you owe us. 
No, I don't. I don't think it's a UOS. I don't think it's a UOS. It's a to me. It's a. It's a. Do you guys want to hear some daylight soul? Some new daylight soul stuff. And if you and so and if and if you want to hear some new daylight soul stuff and and done and done on our on 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 our platform how we want to do it, please donate money. I don't honestly think that they thought they were really going to get all that money as fast as they did. I really don't think they thought they were going to get that money. Yeah. Like, no, I, I, I've heard the interviews. They definitely didn't think they were gonna get. It I don't think this. they. Right. I don't think they. I don't think they really believed like we're gonna get this hundred and ten thousand dollars. Not mention six hundred thousand dollars. And when you when you're at a point when you're listening when you're when you're listening to De La Soul's music or whoever's music, it, when we bought those albums back then, that wasn't like oh we're filling De La Soul's pockets. We were we were honestly filling Tommy Tom Silverman's pockets and uh, Warner Brothers' pockets. We was filling everybody else's pockets, and these guys were going on shows doing shows to make money. Yeah. So now right. we're actually giving. So now they So now if you're cutting out the middleman, this is what you know the current state of music is: is that we can kind of cut out the middleman in many ways I, and I'm all for giving the money directly to the artist like I'm, I'm all for giving somebody who paints a picture or somebody who you know uh, writes a book if you self-publish or you you know you make an art on the street I'm all for giving that person the money instead of saying oh I gotta go to a gallery or I gotta go through Barnes and Noble or I gotta go through Simon & Schuster to give the money out it's a really good point I mean you know it, Listen, I think they could have done the Kickstarter better. Maybe if you contribute the money, then you get a free admission to a show or something like that. Oh, I don't could, think, you I could, think you could get that. Let me tell you how much you had to donate to get that. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's much more than I pay for a ticket. Yeah. Um, I've been to right plenty now. of Daylight Soul shows and never paid more than thirty dollars, and I was always around. So if you gave twenty five dollars, you got a CD. Okay. <laughs> That's, that's skip, a little much. I'm going to skip ahead. If you gave $50, you get to go to a listening party, meet and greet in New York. But if you don't live in New York, travel and accommodations are not included. Um, if you this gave, LA one. This LA one. If this LA, for $50, shocking. <laughs> They're not going to give you a plane ticket. Okay. <laughs> well, for $75, you can get a t-shirt and you can get the vinyl. Um, let's skip ahead. For $300. Well, $350. You can get an autographed, handwritten lyric sheet of a De La song of your choice and an autographed black and white composition book. The same type Dave and Poss use for their rhymes. So you're not getting their actual joint. They're going to Walmart and getting the composition book from the school <laughs> supply section, signing it and giving it to you for $350. But hey, that's cool. Let's see if you got have deeper pockets. Let's say you kicked up five hundred dollars. Then, if your if your uh, feet happen to be size ten and a half, you can get the new De La SB high top dunks. Um, uh, that are almost sold out everywhere, and you can get a pair of autographed Nike two thousand fifteen De La Soul dunks. So Phil Knight's in on this too. Five hundred bucks, baby. Now. If you kicked up $1,500, you can get a one-of-a-kind collectible jacket made exclusively for Pas Denus. A jacket? It's, this is the one-of-a-kind reversible jacket made exclusively for Pas. It's one of three jackets individually designed for each band member by Maharishi. <laughs> no, nobody bought that one, though. Nobody no, got no, that. no. Yeah, that's true. Nobody got that. Nobody got that. Well, let's drop 
Let's drop way down. $2,000. The Sneaker Pimping Award. Two Daylock fans will get to spend an afternoon sneaker pimping with Paz at some of his favorite shops at NYC and receive the signed pair of kicks from his personal collection. I don't even know what sneaker pimping is. That must be something for the kids to do. Anybody know? I, I'm lost. I No, I don't. Sneaker pimping. I don't know. You just go around shopping for kicks, I guess. But I mean, but in that, in that, you know, there was also like you get other stuff as well. Pop will not buy you any shoes. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not buying. I'm not paying to buy some sneakers. But I mean, I think that you know, when all these Kickstarters have these very interesting ways to get people to pay more, or you know, whatever. Like the, but but in in all honesty, I think that in the if we're gonna use the word pimping, I think that's it was a great way for them to make this money. It was a great way to get an album out of these guys um, and show them some love. And even, I mean, even based on the fact that you know, back in the days we bought these as fans, we bought all of these albums. But we have to remember that we bought all of these albums, and we weren't necessarily giving the artists the money. We were giving the money to the record company. I mean, I don't go back and give Booker T and the MGs some money for you know. <laughs> Sweet soul sounds of the sixties. Yeah, it's like it's like in church when I was a kid. They take up the collection plate, right? And then after that, then there was the love offering for the preacher, which was a hustle. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not knocking them for the hustle. I'm just saying this is a hustle, and to to couch it as no, you should show us love because we're Daylight and you love us and we, we made buddy. The fuck you? Fuck out of here with that. That's what I look like. You should, just buy, you, should, you should just buy the album. That's how you show your love and your support. You just buy the album. Forget the Kickstarter. I mean, forget the sneakers. The, the thing is, why buy it? Why buy it now? They've already, they've already made a profit. It's just like this. A few, several years ago, um, there was somebody I went to college with who was doing a Kickstarter campaign to get his um, independent film or something uh, produced. I didn't like the guy in college. I mean, we weren't friends at all or anything like that, but you know, he had this project and I thought it was it was cool that he was taking the initiative to do it and he was only a maybe about two thousand dollars away from his goals so i thought all right you know yeah, whatever i'll go in and contribute so i've signed up kickstarter and i kicked in about i don't know fifty sixty dollars or something i came back a day later before the he'd reached the goal or before the end of the uh, campaign and he had surpassed the goal by several hundred dollars at which point I revoked my donation because I didn't like him anyway. <laughs> and I'm not trying to give him some extra profit. What's wrong, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, he, once you, my thing is with Kickstarter, once you reach the goal, that shit should stop. You shouldn't be able to keep, keep letting it pour in. Maybe that's, maybe that's my my beef so, but so if they just raised 110 you wouldn't be beefing about this i mean it would if 110 was what it cost them to make the album i would still say it's a hustle i mean it's great and i'm glad de la soul thought of it and this is probably 
a new model, but I mean, it's like, it's like going into a strip club. They're on the hustle. They're trying to get your money. You're trying to get free lap dances. You know, it's a question <laughs> of who's going who's gonna to come out ahead at the end. Best you can do is break even. And, you know, Daylight, I love them. And I think this is going to come across as I don't like Daylight, which I do, but I'm not going to be hustled and you're not going to play on my sympathy just because I love Millie pulled a pistol on Santa doesn't mean I'm going to give you $2,000 so I can go sneaker pimping. See, the thing is, I'm, I'm more offended by the sales pitch, and we might talk about this later, the sales pitch around title than I am around the, the De La Kickstarter. I mean, De La, these are middle-class rappers. So That's... they're going to end up making middle-class rapper dollars regardless of the Kickstarter. Whereas these other guys, these multi-zillionaires, they really, they really can't play with my emotions. Well... Yeah, we, we will. Yeah, let's get into that. But first, here, I'm going to give you a little sample before we get into the title thing. This is uh, some words from Bela on, on what the problem is right here. Sorry, I also think a part, a part of the problem sometimes is lack of confidence. And because of what the, 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 the new way of doing things has, has made us feel. A big part of it is cheap people and people who think everything's supposed to be for free. And it's unfortunate that we get so much free music, so much free music. The moment an artist says, okay, I'm ready to put out some music and I need for you to pay for it. And via something like Kickstarter is the moment the, the people around them are like, pay for it. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean pay for it? You want $15 so you can go and make this record? Yeah. I'm asking you if you are a fan, if you love TLC, if you love RL, if you love De La Soul, pay for it and let's make this happen. But I think that concept of so much free music and giving stuff away, free downloads, it's gotten people out of thinking like, yo, we work hard and we do this. Like, you got to give too, especially when we done gave you so much free. I mean, De La, we gave our whole catalog away for free. Now, see, that's my beef. You gave it away for free only because you were legally prevented from charging. So don't try to flip it around like you were just being beneficial to your loyal, loving fans. That's and, messaging. Yeah, it's, me it, it's a hustle, man. Hustle. I, I think I finally found somebody cynical more cynical than i am in jc <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i didn't i didn't know it was possible i'm always looking at man eh, what's the hustle we know and i'm from new york so we're always used to a hustle but jc you, you're seriously like you really are a cynical person like i i'm cool with there's some there's certain ways that i'm cool with things and and the fact that people are paying like we will pay for money people pay for music right people really? pay for us yeah. Don't they know that yeah. it's free now? Some people don't know that 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 you have that you're supposed to pay for music, and that's oh. and I I agree in that fact that there's so much out there that's free. You can get so much for free now that it's it's hard for people to say I'm gonna put down some money to support an artist. And nowadays, more than ever, I think you put down your money to support an artist than you did before, because <clears throat> because now it's really about whether or not your money goes to someplace, whether or not they really can get it. 
It's it's weird. It's very weird. And I guess I'm situational. Like I would never. I mean, I don't listen to music anyway. But I would never pay Beyonce. Beyonce is beyond paid. But there are some artists who are actually counting on that fifteen dollars to make their rent. So maybe it's okay to pay them for their music. Listen, Whereas you know, I never told you to try to eat off your art. Once you decided <laughs> I'm gonna sell my art, you became a business person. <laughs> I mean, the hell. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, so, the record... so professional artists shouldn't exist. No, they can exist, but don't act like I have to pay you to support your your work. I mean, you know, shit. What what did my yeah, nobody, man nobody, say? Nobody, nobody told you to get paid for making them crackers. If I steal them, oh well. <laughs> you, right. You're you're, you're a right. businessman. <laughs> Yeah, you have insurance to recoup your losses. <laughs> Listen, the record company spent the first 20-some-odd years of my life stealing from me. Or the, the first 20. The last 20. Stealing from me. Now, tables have turned. And why have tables turned? Because the record companies got greedy. I'd have been fine still listening to cassettes. But they were like, oh, no, let's go to CDs. When we go to CDs, people have to rebuy music and we can charge more. You're charging more for something that costs less to produce. Then, after CDs played on out and peaked out, oh, let's, let's go digital. Let's go all digital. Then we won't have any manufacturing costs and we'll make even more money. Oops. How's that working out? Tables turn. Now, I've got the power. <laughs> to be honest, the, the the record industry got dragged into that digital age. They got dragged in, man. I remember, you know, it was ninety four, ninety five. I was working as an intern in a record label, and I wrote this whole plan, this whole proposal about how they could, you know, sell MP3s on their website, and they can boost up their website and sell directly to the customer, and for people who would just listen to their music on the on the computer, and they were like, nobody's going to do that. I remember the vice president of the company was like, nobody's going to do that. And I was like, but we're taking it already. We're already, you know, starting to use, you know, Napster and what was it, uh, LimeWire and something else, yeah. like, like a P2P thing. So I had already, and, and to be real, a, a music industry vet showed me how to get that music on my computer. So I was like, people are already starting to do this. Why don't you do it yourself? And the record industry was like, nah, nah, are you kidding me? Red company, like he said, nobody's going to do that. Wow. 10, 15 years later, what's happening? Everybody's doing it. Everybody like, and they got dragged into that, man. They got dragged into it. They never saw that they could cut out the middleman of, you know, the the distributors and the the, the processing plants who were already leaking their music, especially when it came to hip hop. They right. didn't see that. They didn't see that. It was crazy. The uh, the guy who managed the big copy machine at Chinko showed me how to use Napster. And I haven't looked back. Crazy. The last, the last CD that I went into a store and paid money for was, jeez, uh, that Lauren Hill. And it turned out that she wasn't rapping. I felt duped and ripped off. I sold it to somebody <laughs> at a loss, and that was it. I'm not, I'm not going sight unseen on anything ever again. And, but now music's free, so it doesn't matter. It's not free. It costs 110000 Yeah, to well, to get into your next, uh, which, you, which you brought up earlier, 
Music is very, very much not free if uh, Jigga has his way. So let's let's take a look at or a listen to the uh, the the ad he was putting out to launch his new music service adventure. Here we go. Oh, this fucking guy. I just thought about like how crazy this is. How this is like the, the beginning of the new world. This is story. Change the course of history forever today. <laughs> the final frontier. Yes, the yes. last stand. Town hall for creativity. Yes, with the most powerful. I'm inspired. <laughs> Every great movement started with a group of people being able to get together and really just make a stand. Everyone here is, you know, that term icons, but we've all at one point were in love with music. You can't make it to where we what we've accomplished without having that love of music be the foundation. I think it's one of the things that sets us aside from someone that's a tech company that's selling advertisement or selling hardware. Right now they're writing a story for us. We need to write the story for ourselves. This collaboration feels so egoless. Everybody's having a conversation. We really do have an opportunity to change the way we all experience art. We're going to come together and we're going to take a stand and we're going to give people quality and great things and great experiences. You know, we'll, we'll push the things that happen on the internet further along. This is really musicians making music, and it's about music, and there's no end game. Maybe it sounds like a cliche, but it's about putting art back into the forefront. It's about bringing humanity back to being an artist, not technology, art, human art. Talked to a lot of different people outside of the industry, and everyone was like, what took so long? Like this thing was the thing that everyone wanted and everyone feared. If, if these artists can sit in a room together, if the game changes forever. And it happened today. It it happened today. It's it's about humanity and <laughs> Jay Z's a whole other matter. Jay Z's hundred percent full of shit. It's the same pitch made by Daylight just by people with more money. Or what's your take? My take is this, um, to hear Jay-Z, and I don't know how everybody feels about Jay-Z, but to hear Jay-Z try to say he's putting art at the forefront of something is <laughs> offensive. <laughs> it's just ridiculous because Jay-Z's already made it perfectly clear that art is completely secondary to business in his mind. So, I mean, we're talking about, I heard Nicki Minaj on there, on that commercial. <laughs> She's not putting art at the forefront of anything. Jay-Z's made it clear he's a business, comma, man. <laughs> and then I think I saw Madonna in the commercial. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> um, I'm not dealing with Jay-Z again until he goes Bill Gates and says, I'm about to give away my fortune. Because he's he's done very well for himself. Um, and he's built a fortune on mediocrity since uh, the first album. So, yeah, I, I advise you to download all of Jay-Z's music, please. And please... Go give it away like Robin Hood, because he's. He, I'm done with Jay Z. Dre? <laughs> this is my problem with Title. My problem with Title was that it was bad marketing. That's title your only problem? <laughs> title was bad marketing. Title was bad. That's like the issue that people have with Title was bad marketing. They didn't say, and this is the thing. 
like when you when you ever see Apple's um, press conferences when they talk about the new i product, the new Apple product, or whatever it is, they always tell you top to bottom what's what what you're getting, right? Top to bottom, like, and sometimes they even leave out important stuff because they have, they've gone on so long that they've you know said so many new features and it's faster and it's smaller and it fit in your pocket and you can you can make phone calls with it or whatever you can do. Mm-hmm. Title didn't do that. Title, what they did was they propped up these, you know, ten or fifteen super rich, super famous artists and said, "Hey, you're already streaming stuff. Why don't you pay a little bit more, or sometimes double the price, and you give them the money that you're paying comes to the artist more than in the, whatever you're used to or whatever you've already streamed through or what have you. This is what you're getting. This is title, and you got some video went in. It's going to be sound quality. It's going to be great. But hey, we're the, we're the people that you love. You're the people that you bought. You bought your music already. So give us the money instead. We're super rich and we're beautiful and we have everything already. <laughs> and that was the problem with the marketing. Instead of saying, which is also part of title, that. You know, you're gonna be able to discover these new artists, and we're gonna we're gonna use our own money to help new artists who are who who have their music on title to do these showcases. And there's a bunch of stuff that Title does that people don't know that they do because they they decide just to put the face of it as Jay and Madonna and Alicia Keys and Beyonce and Kanye and uh, Def uh, um, um what's the boys' names with the robot heads? Um, all of these guys. <laughs> Def Punk. Daft Punk, right, and, and, and Calvin Harris, all like this is that that was the problem. Like they went for the big sell of the money, which is usually actually unfortunately how some of the younger generation looks at it. They looks at it, they looked at it as, you know, oh, we want to see whatever's flashy and whatever's bigger, but they also didn't give the person, the parent who's gonna give that kid the money a reason why. A reason why to give my why should I give more money away? And it's like, oh, it's new music. Oh, the the uh, the the unknown rapper, the unknown rock artist, the unknown uh, folk singer will get the same amount of money that we get on the subscription service. That you know, and we'll, we'll all we all everybody's gonna make money, and we're gonna you know we're gonna give our marketing dollars to unknown artists, and we're gonna make these showcases, and we're gonna put them up in the forefront of this of the front forefront of title. They didn't do that. They just said, hey, we're super rich. Give us some more money. And that, that's what that's what my problem with title is. It's that first of all, I don't believe in streaming. Right? I, if I'm buying music, I want to be able to own it. I want to be able to have a physical copy or a, uh, a MP3 or whatever it is on my computer somewhere. I can take it with me wherever I am. So if I'm flying 35,000 35, feet, I want to be able to listen to that song wherever I am. And so that's one of the things I'm not cool with streaming. Like I don't. And I might be old, and this is my get off might my lawn. St- stre- streaming can really get off my lawn. Streaming can get the fuck <laughs> off of my lawn. Like streaming, I don't want you. Like no, don't. I don't want streaming get on my fucking block, fam. <laughs> I don't want streaming on my block, fam. Like, like I just, I'm, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. I, I get why people do it. I, I, I get it. I just don't want that shit. And so. No, I don't. I, I don't get it. I don't. I still don't really understand it. Spotify and all that is completely lost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, guy, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, no, nah, it's. I was confused. Are we still talking about De La Soul? No, no we talking about title. We talking about title, man. We talking about title and this 
and this idea like and just think the difference the difference between De La and Tidal is that you're you're donating your money to make new music while Tidal is already shit that you probably already own from all these artists or you can hear any day on the radio already like this stuff has been already done like we Alicia Keys does not need to pass around a hat she's good to go oh she's good and, that, and that's and that's why I said his title was an issue of bad marketing more than it was, you know, because honestly, I'm cool. And like I said before, I'm cool with giving the artist money as opposed to having to pay some other, you know, shadow industry, shadow entity, the money to hear whatever. And then I and the, the, the pay through on what those Spotify on people like they don't give these artists a lot of money. Like they don't give them. They, it's the, the fragment is like one hundred thousand uh two one hundred thousandths of a cent per stream two one that's less than what you get on what you get from the radio but that's so you the, get more money from the radio than terrestrial radio than you get from streaming but that's the and whole argument is join this service and the artist can get a larger cut i mean that's the real sort of push that they're i mean maybe they're not putting that in the forefront but that's the whole idea because the idea of higher quality audio is pretty much irrelevant because most people are listening on their phones and cars on the go, uh, you know, in places other than at home with expensive headphones on a high fidelity system. So the sound quality is relatively irrelevant. It's the fact that on this service, the artist allegedly will get a bigger cut of the streaming pie and they made that exact same pitch. You love us, and you're our fans, and we do such great, great music, and we've brought such joy to your lives, and we've been the soundtrack to your development. And ah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, but the, the 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 bigger problem is now. I saw last night Jay Z gave a concert in New York, and he doubled down on this. Now he's trying to make it racial. He's saying that. You have no problems giving Steve Jobs money, even though Steve Jobs is dead, right? <laughs> he said Steve Jobs is rich, um, but you have a problem when it's your own shit. Uh, you buy iPhones, you buy Nikes, not, why not buy Tidal? And it, 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 I'm saying he's putting himself in a league with people like that. And but, but the thing about America, right? And Jay-Z's tapping into that. Americans love nothing more than to give money to rich people. So Jay-Z knows that. And he knows that it's an aspirational thing for him, and he's going to probably succeed with this down the road. I mean, the way the way I see it finally playing out is, yeah, as, as Dre mentioned, that a lot of the music that you can already hear in back catalogs may be on the service, but they're trying to do something exclusive, so they'll have exclusive releases for title and lock them up. So what I think he's trying to do is lock up some new content from these huge artists so that because Apple is going to drop their Beats music service or whatever it's called Apple music their streaming service and if Apple feels like all right we need to get Madonna Taylor Swift Beyonce Kanye Daft Punk how much do we have to pay to get them off this damn title thing get them over here on Beats audio they'll probably pay Jay-Z you know for Apple, it's nothing. Give, give him five hundred million dollars. They gave you know, give him a billion so he he can talk with Dre. 
and Jay-Z will walk away and you'll never hear anything else about, you know, the fans and the people and it's racial and <laughs> Steve Jobs. He'll be at the next Apple iPhone 6 giveaway and they'll have a special yeah, he'll, 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 be, he'll, be giving, he'll be giving a he'll be giving a TED talk. So <laughs> again, it's another yeah, hustle. That's what I'm saying. Because I think Jay-Z put in like maybe 50 million or something like that. I, I forget what the number is. It's astronomical by my standards. But at the point at which Apple buys him out, he's going to he's gonna walk away with, you know, probably at least 200 million in profit. Who knows? But it's just, again, it's a hustle. But I'm not going to be hustled. Jay Z has made it perfectly clear that he's not an artist; he's a business man. So, man. <laughs> so, now this this kind of appeal coming from him it just rings hollow. He'll never he'll never get to me. But again, see, the way I see it is the only difference between your your feelings on the Jay Z thing and on the De La Soul thing is that you have more respect, um, admiration. Uh, and sympathy for De La Soul than you do for Jay-Z because he's the, you know, the, the 1%. Um, I get that, but the Kickstarter thing is probably more ingenious and diabolical than the title thing. <laughs> diabolical. Diabolical? Wow. I mean, that's an evil, that's an evil genius plan right there. Oh, I don't. I, I definitely disagree that the, the, the Kickstarter is a diabolical plan. I, I, as, as far as Jay Z is concerned, as a, as a, you know, as a business person or whatever, I, I agree that if you're already buying this, if you're already buying streaming, like if you're paying for streaming, then why not, you know, pay for streaming where the artists that you like get more money out of it because you're already paying somebody for it. Like so, you don't you can you can pay the 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 a Steve Jobs or 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 Jimmy Iovine, one of these guys in a um in a in a shadowy area. You can pay them the money, or you can pay you can give more money to the artist. I'm always for that. I'm always that's that's, that's always gonna be my argument. I just think that you also have to be careful in how you sell it and what and and, and what the what the consumer is getting for it. Because at, at some point, like any any of these companies, Spotify, that can get bought by Apple. Any company, any company you own, any company that you use can get actually actually it's true. Any company that you use can pretty much get bought get purchased by Apple. So you don't have to worry about what the future business is of a certain company. What you worry about is, you know, how you feel about where your money goes. So if you want to go to the local green grocer and, you know, buy some locally grown fruit vegetables, cool. Or you can go to you know, Costco, I do all the time, and buy some stuff that they shipped in from God knows where, and you paid, you know, two cents for it for a, a bucket. You know, it's it's all about where your money goes, man, and when and where you where you want to see your money going. You know, if not somebody's trying to hustle you, there's always a hustle. Everybody's there's always a hustle that, everywhere. That's my point. There's always a hustle. Jay Z's got a hustle. <laughs> True Goy's got a hustle. <laughs> Madonna's got a hustle. <laughs> Maceo's got a hustle. And, but when and it depends on who you allow yourself to be hustled by. Who, exactly. Who you give your money to? I gotta prioritize the hustle. You know, I might drop a dollar in some guy's cup outside of Seven Eleven. It's a, it's a low grade hustle. It's the same right. thing. Right. right. Exactly. But, 
But what I'm saying is, are we now acknowledging that the De La Soul thing is a hustle? You guys just contend it's a it's a more uh, it's a more palatable hustle. Palatable hustle. We'll take. That. I can I can I can get behind that. I mean, I, and I I really believe that. You know, De La Soul might actually need the money. We don't know what their situation is. Oh, we know what their situation is. I'm sorry, you, didn't you hear me say that they released the 2015 De La Soul Nike Dunks? Um, <laughs> once a month on a routine basis, late at night around LA, you see people lined up out of, outside of sneaker shops. Um, well, they, they don't get, they don't really get a lot of money from those. I've I've seen people who've done those deals, yeah. those uh those sneaker deals, yeah. and they don't really those are really vanity deals at the most. Like you you you're lucky to get one of those deals, but you don't you're not getting you know I think they'll I don't know what the exact figures are. You're lucky to get two dollars out of that whatever that price is. Two dollars per shoe. Per shoe out of I'm, that whatever that price is you're I, lucky like, i mean those, getting, they don't really do they're those. getting two dollars per shoe they got two hundred three hundred thousand dollars from you sympathetic ears it's they've got usb drives i mean i i don't think de la soul is hurting get to get your hustle that's what it is to me that's 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 what i get from it i I'm, get but what i get from it is i need to get my hustle whatever I, my hustle is and i love that i mean i like i said I admire their the audacity of them pulling the wool <laughs> over on eleven thousand people to get that. Imagine if there's some project, something, some passion project you had, and you don't have enough money to do it, and you can say, "Hey, everybody who would love this passion project, give me the money to do it, plus an additional fifty percent, and then I'll sell it to everybody else." Please. Where's the risk? Business is about risk. They've eliminated the risk. If they don't get the money from the Kickstarter, they didn't have to go through with any more of it. They could have just cut their losses. It's beautiful. They they took the risk on the back end, putting out all that good music for years and not really getting much for it. That like I said, I think it's I think it's a back pay situation. They no, figured out they, a way to get paid. No, they didn't get paid for it because they didn't have the proper legal representation. <laughs> no, it's just no. It's just the that's just the industry. Like that's just the industry. You're dealing with stuff like that. You know, it's you're gonna you're not always gonna get the amount of money that you can. And and the thing about it is that they'll make. And this is the thing with independent artists. Independent artists, as an independent artist, you always make more money as an independent artist than you do sign to a major label. I mean, we all heard the stories of Too Short selling you know tapes out of his trunk for right. years and years. I remember when Mystical first got started. Right, Mystical. Um, I knew people who tried to sign Mystical, uh-huh. and Mystical was making back when his first album came out when he was on a uh, uh, big boy, a fat boy records. He was making like he was clearing one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. Wow! And he told he told all these record companies, if you can't give me this amount of money per month, like I'm doing out, you know, independently in that area in Louisiana in the South. Then what's the point of me going to you? And finally, Jive Records ponied up the dough. But that was the thing. Like, you know, as an independent artist, we all heard the selling people selling out the trunk of it. So this is this is the Kickstarters and the titles have all have replaced the trunk. That's that's good, and that's a that's a good analogy because now, De La Soul, instead of making if they were with a major label, they'd make like what one two dollars off every sale, right, maybe off every, less. Every city, yeah. Off every CD, yeah, every CD. Or, now they're gonna make now they're gonna make fifteen dollars per CD. Yep, 
that's brilliant. And that's I'm glad brilliant. they did it, but I'm not going to be party to <laughs> the diabolical plan. Right. They might as well come in here with uh, masks and ski masks and, <laughs> and guns. But somehow you're going to end up with the music, though, right? Of course. <laughs> and, and and this is what I'm, I'm going to go the other way too with this one because one of the issues that we deal with as the old men um, and watching these kids all over our lawn on of hip hop is that the money is going to stuff that we don't like like right. the people who the money is going to the stuff that we don't like and so we have to in a way kick up some dough to the stuff that we do like so which is why I'm cool which is why I'm cool with paying for Kendrick Lamar's album, even though I know he's a part of the machine. He's also a part of the machine, but he's making, he's saying stuff that I like. That there's a bunch of stuff out right now that I hate, but they are getting paid way more than the De La Soul. Like De La Soul made six hundred thousand dollars on this Kickstarter campaign. I can tell you for a fact that's a good two, three months run of one of one of these songs that you guys hate. Yeah, I get it. You're you're overpaying Daylight for what they did to the Cold Crush. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice Jay Z line reference, by yeah. the way. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so another part of this podcast is I stand by my contention that due to um, the the availability of the digital download across the internet that I stand with one of the most robust iPod uh, music collections, at least on the West Coast. I'd even go so far as to say West Coast, Midwest, and down South. I've got over 15,000 uh, songs on my iPod. Um, that cost you $15,000 to buy, didn't it? Yeah, I know. 99 cents a song, that's a lot. Yeah, I know. Oof, I got deep pockets. Maybe I should have done a, a Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> <laughs> but we decided that if we were to, we wanted to do some music reviews, and if we were to just go through and sort of cherry pick songs out of this group of 15,000, Actually, it's 15,524 currently and counting. Um, Jeez. Swag. That if we, if we went and tried to start pulling those out, we'd only pull out classic songs, songs that were, you know, that we really liked, or on the opposite end, sounds that were songs that were horrible. So the compromise is to put the iPod on shuffle and come up with five songs. And whatever they may be, play them, listen, listen to them, and offer up our sort of uh, quick critique. And as I mentioned to Dre when we were sort of kicking this idea around, that every song out of these 15,000 isn't a golden era classic. So I just want to state that. I'm not going to shy away from the fact that, you know, when you sometimes I have to cast a wide download net and, you know, I get some boots and old tires along with the uh, <laughs> king crab and salmon so so let's see the first the first song is actually from a tribe called quest mm. 
Oh, that's nice. Are you are you playing these songs all the way through? Or are you giving us a sampling? I'll play them all the way through. Um, okay. Until we get some advertisers or some kind of regulatory bandwidth restrictions or Time Warner, somebody tells me I've got to put a cap on the time limit. We might as well play them all the way through. Uh, or maybe Q-Tip might might hear this and I might get a letter from a Fife Dog's attorney looking for some points. But this is Butter, which, yeah, yeah, but in the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> this is Butter, the hip-hop remix or the hip-hop mix. And I believe it came off of that Season Traveler remix and B-Sides, whatever. Oh, okay. So it's not going to be, you know, from the, it's not going to be low-end theory butter that, you, that oh. we're all familiar with. This is, this is something else. And it gets a little dicey when you start screwing around with classic music. But, hey, what you going to do? So... This is Butter Hip Hop Mix. Check this out and uh, come back and see what we think. But the girls were mad fly Lounging with the tipster Cooling with shot Scoping out the honeys They know who they are I was the b-ball playing Fly rhyme saying Fly girl getting Whenever was I sweating Cause when it came to honeys I would go on a strut Until I met my match Her name was Flo Yeah, I messed around With the one called Flo All the troopers round the way Used to call her a hoe But deep down in my heart I knew that Flo was good to go Cause I thought it was me Like Bell Biff DeVoe Well little did I know That she was playing with my mind Somebody for me, not someone whose mind is blank and trying to juice me for my banks. Swinging with my main man, lucky behind my back. What type of crap is that? Yo, how's about a smack? Word life, I can't front. Thought I was all that, but now it seems I've met my match. I was a stone cold lover, you couldn't tell me Jack. Settling down with one girl, wasn't trying to hear that. I had Tanya, Tamika, Sharon, Karen, Tina, Stacy, Julie, Tracy, used to love them, leave them, skeeze them, tease them, find them, lose them. My whole attitude is new day, next hunt And believe it or not, they all got done But here comes Flo with the crazy whip appeal And I'm all too mad, like Alexander O'Neill Is this really love? Then again, how would I know? After all this time, trying to be a super hoe She finally played me, but yo, I'd find another Cause I've got the crazy game and yo, I'm smooth like butter It's like butter, it's like butter, baby It's like butter, it's like butter, baby It's like butter, it's like butter, baby not no parquet, but the butter, baby. It's like butter. It's like butter, baby. It's like butter. Like the butter, baby. Not no parquet, not no margarine. Strictly butter. Strictly butter, baby. I remember when girls were goody two-shoes, but now they turn to freaks all of a sudden. Ease off, ho. My name's Mully. Fight this, fight that. Where you going? Where you at? These girls don't know me from Jack, yet I feel like the Mac. You didn't want me then, so yo, hun, don't want me now. Yeah, yeah. Take the towel. 
Wipe off your brow and take the contact out your eye. You're far from looking fly. You're getting E for effort and T for nice try. And tell me what's the reason for dying your hair? Slum village gold still dangling in your air. You barely have a neck but still sporting a rope. Four finger ring just a fight within scope. You looked in the mirror, didn't know what to do. Yesterday your eyes were brown, but today they are blue. Your whole appearance is a lie and it can never be true. And if you really like yourself, then you would try and be you. If your hair and eyes are real, I wouldn't have dished you. But since it was bought, I had to dismiss you. But if you can't achieve it, then why not try and weave it? If you can't extend it, then you might as well suspend it. If you can't braid it, best thing to do is fade it. I ask you, did your hair and you tell me, Diane, maybe if you were you and just you, talk to you, maybe, but I can't stand Someone like hell would have swung with Jamie Summers. You want to be treated right? See Father MC. Or check Ralph Tresvin for sensitivity. Cause I am not the one. I got more game than Parker Brothers fight. Dog is on the mic and I'm smooth like butter. Necessary. I'm so happy that song is over. <laughs> I think that was totally ridiculous. You can't, especially once you have a classic. You can't fiddle with. You can't just mess around with it. And that was that was atrocious. But I, I'm I'm gonna jump out on a limb here and say I didn't like the original. Oh. Oh. I didn't like the butter original. Like butter to me is probably one of the weakest songs. I think it's the weakest song on that album. Hold on one second. Let me look it up. I think that's the that's definitely the song that I used to always get. Oh, ouch! Wow. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't like that song. I, I loved it, um, but you know, it's like remixing "Beat It." I, I don't need that. Oh, it's, it's the way it is. What it is. Wow. I. I, I what? <laughs> Yeah, okay. So I'm listening I'm looking at the, the, the track list. The track list for Low Wind Theory, right? There were two songs I always skipped and they were Butter and Sky Pager. Sky Pager, yes. Now I skipped Sky Pager myself. Oh you guys Butter and Sky Pager <laughs> were my automatic next. Sky matter- Pager, I was I was good on that too. Yeah, I never I never And I'll go as far as to say, I think if you check my iTunes, I don't have either of those songs in my iTunes. Because I purposely deleted them from the album. You too. I don't know. What? And Low End Theory is one of my top albums in the top two. She finally played me, but you ought to find another because I got the crazy gaming you want. Yeah, it was. My my issue wasn't with the the lyrics. My issue was that it was a monotonous song. Like the the loop, the loop that they use, the of the original, yeah. bothered me. Like I did not like the loop. Like it just it was, yeah. Like especially, wow. and, I, and I, honestly, I think that the um the sequencing of that album was the issue with where Butter was. Because it started out high paced, and then you get to butter, and it was like it felt like the whole shit just slowed down to me. Wow. I was I was cool with that, but I'm with you on the sky page. I never I never liked it. 
I'm not a fan of Scott Pager at all. No, no. I wasn't a fan of everything is fair when you're living in the city. <laughs> <laughs> That's right there on the edge, too. <laughs> it was there on the edge. I think, I think everything is fair kind of got a little more play for me because it was um it was sandwiched between check the rom and jazz so yeah. i could you know i could kind of go for it but after i hear jazz and i go to sky pager i was like come on fam yeah that was not nah. really come on fam sky page like like we're really doing commercials on album that's really what it was it was a commercial on the album sky page <laughs> yeah that wasn't I, i'm with you dre that was you leave that was, that that was a, that was a, a cock <laughs> Come on, that was dope. Boom. People tend to think that a page is foul. Well, it kind of is because it makes me scowl. Boom. is going off when Donald Trump gets checks. Keep my bases loaded like the New York Mets. Really? Next. Next. You guys are. Damn. Yeah, I, hey, I was good with that song. Really? Nah. Nah. I never thought of it that way in there, but, but yeah. I, I gotta I refresh my memory. So this is what you didn't like. That beat is slamming. Really? I, I didn't hear it. Oh, you couldn't hear it? I couldn't hear it. But he didn't. He, he doesn't want to hear it. I'm happy. I, I'm actually happy. I couldn't hear it. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't. I wasn't. Really? Every classic album has a song or two that you don't like. I, yeah. I, but I mean, you know. the beat is just. Man. Yeah, and I was a fan of that album, but just it should have been an instrumental. Wow, maybe you need on the, on the B side. Wow, maybe you need and, a system with some fat house speakers. No, <laughs> nice one. And if I and going with my industry insider status, I actually had this album early, and that was and I had it on a cassette. Um. And and I was always fast forwarding. I, I couldn't wait to fast forward past that. So I, when they finally made that thing where you could skip the song, you could fast forward the cassette and it skips the song, I was so happy. But see, that was a double-edged sword because it would um, eat your batteries. Right, and it wasn't. Per- it was far from perfect. Yeah, it was far from perfect. But here's the thing: that album came out in '91. '91. Okay. I was about to say because I I was thinking like you had it early and you didn't let me know but we didnn't we hadn't met by yeah, then, we so didn't know it yeah we had yeah all right so now we'll go to song number two that was huh. damn I didn't so we we're all in agreement that we didn't like that remix but no that was didn't like the original yeah. I I wasn't expecting that that caught me off guard um. This next one, this is—I probably won't play this all the way through because I know this is going to be controversial. It's—it's hip hop, but you know, either you're gonna like this and you're gonna know you like it, or you don't. So I'm only gonna go in for about two minutes on this one. Here we go. Get this, U.S. Tobacco League troops were... Uh, in, uh, uh, in, uh, in that genre, uh, but also because of the... Anti-theft device. Anti-theft, anti-theft device. 
So that was Anti-Theft Device by Mixmaster Mike. Oh, okay. I, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I heard some Led Zeppelin in there, right? I, Did I catch that? I mean, you're not asking me. <laughs> <laughs> that sample's when the oh, levee yeah. breaks. That was from the Zeppelin. Dark Side of the Moon LP. No, but it's when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin. That's a good song. Beastie Boys sampled that back in the day, too. Okay. Uh, but I was I wasn't feeling that. That was uh, that's some nah. turntablism, and if you're not into that, then you know you're just not into it. But I'm gonna go on on a, on a limb here again and say that usually the cut on the rap album that was the DJ's song I used to fast forward. <laughs> I mean, I did that back on the Eric B and Rakim yeah, album because the, they were the terrible. Or something like that. But this one, this was, um, I'll put it like this, on the um, B-side, or, yeah, the B-side of I'm the Rapper, He's the DJ, the Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. Yep. On that B-side, there were some live cuts where Jazzy Jeff was just going wild. And I, I like those, but I guess that's just the way my, my hip-hop uh, ear leans. Uh, I'm a lyrics guy, so for me, I listen to it, and it's cool in a live show, but I'm not really gonna sit and listen to it on a tape or CD. Okay. I'm, I'm all for the I'm all for the live show stuff, but also, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm also um, uh, he was off beat quite a bit, and when you when you when you're really? cutting it, you're like, yeah, he was off beat quite a bit, and it was like, yeah, it sounded like it sounded like a practice session to me. I'm like, yo, I, like not only do I not want to hear the DJ's cut, I, do, I want you to sound like you're you're on your shit, like fully. And he sounded like, you know, and what do I know? Because I can't, I can't mix work for damn. But well, it's funny because <clears throat> we got we're gonna have to wrap this up in the, within the next forty minutes or so because I am taking these courses. Jam Master J started a uh, a DJ academy, and they've got this whole curriculum thing, and I've got a. I've got to make mix 3:03 at 1 p.m. That's when it starts. But that aside, don't sound like that, and don't make a don't make a DJ cut. Now I have to find some rappers. Maybe I'll get a Kickstarter yeah. project to buy me some equipment. <laughs> <laughs> pay for upload, upload the title. I'll drop Ooh. a verse. Yeah, like butter, baby. <laughs> so our next song. From a lyrics guy, this this is interesting because this is from uh, Heavy D, rest in peace. But this this song really kind of encapsulates a lot of what we're missing in mainstream hip hop now. It's a positive song. I mean, extremely positive. Uh, it's called "A Better Land." Oh, I know this song. Yeah, and. This wasn't as unusual, you know. Heavy D was was popular when this at the time this came out. More of a you know a party party song rapper, but the fact that he had a, a, a conscious song on there and nobody thought, wow, that's his conscious song, just sort of speaks to where things were at back then. So here we go, Heavy D, but diddly 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 diddly. 
America is essentially a dream. It is a dream of a land where men of all races, of all nationalities, and of all creeds can live together as brothers. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. equal. Here we go. should be took don't be ridiculous come on and get with this movement for improvement together we'll get rid of this setback and in fact the knowledge that we lack will gain back and retract the steps that we lost back when times were hard but things are getting better they said when it's cold one should wear a sweater crack a substance smoked by the idiots sold by the thoughtless allowed by the government those who speak politically it's all trickery i don't get with fools and fools they can't get with me well 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 look ahead guess what happened a fight at a concert and they blamed it on rapping. Don't you have anything else better to do than to just rap and the things that we do make it a better land?
Hester. Word up. Yeah. I don't I don't have anything bad to say about it. It was classic, you know, early nineties positive. Right, that's exactly what it felt like. What, what, how long was that song, though? About four minutes. Oh, okay. Did it yeah, feel it was, longer? It, it felt longer. It was, but it was definitely in that, like you said, that early '90s positive song. I think Big Daddy Kane had a song like that. Like everybody had a joint on their album where it was like the proud to be black, you know, clean up your community song. Like regardless of what you talked about on your album, except for maybe N.W.A., you you had like the positive song on there somewhere, like. Because even even too short would have one, which was right exactly. Right. <laughs> even the filthiest, most disgusting rapper had to have one quote unquote positive song on there to make people feel good about living in the ghetto. Well, life is too short. Was his was too short joint, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like a classic. And then he followed it up with Blowjob Betty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. This next one is it, it, it really needs no introduction and it almost seems like a setup but I guarantee that this just came up on the on the random shuffle on the iPod and uh, this is allegedly allegedly yeah yeah cuz I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm conspiring behind the scenes like the Knicks with the envelope when they got Patrick Ewing <laughs> there's no proof of that. There's no proof. I put this I put this MP3 in the freezer so it would be cold and I'd know where to get a hold of it. What's the song? This, no is, proof. this is New York in his nineties as it gets. You'll you'll see. If we played name that tune, it'd probably take you guys a fraction of a second, so we'll uh, let me put on my Tims. Yeah. Oh yeah. This this is the definite. This is the Timbo <laughs> banger. Oh, okay. Look, can't wait for this one. All right. Get your Lucys. Get your Timbos. <laughs> light, of, light of fire in a trash can. Here it comes. All right. Shot 
the ones who kept fronting, the ones who try to disimpose high. Oh no, just 'cause you had low, see now I got dough and I'm paid off my rectum. Meaning my backbone, grab the mic, flip a match grip to your dome. Suckers, I kick 'em like Taekwondo. Yes, hello from head to toe. The Buckshot, quick to play your nigga like Sega. Smooth trigger, happy snappy. Keep my hair nappy. When I swing a F, girls call me Big Pappy. I used to play a game called Ring Around the Rosie. But now I play the mic, that's why the whole world knows me. I'm sort of like a Chevy Heavy when I bump bust. You better bring your whole damn crew or get your head crushed, sucker. 'Cause I'ma set it off with one shot, one trigger, one nigga, dub head drop. Don't even try to play me out for static. Buckshot, shorty, me sounds like an automatic. Rip the set, my friends mad tight. Crush and cause chaos, yo. And I'ma let you know. Buy some Tim's. I just finished slicing somebody with a razor blade. <laughs> <laughs> buck fifty. I just gave three people buck fifties just now. To that song. Now we already heard your what I'm gonna label a controversial take on butter. That song, <laughs> I love the beat and all that, but when I go back and listen to it. Lyrically, it doesn't really stand the test of time. The, the uh, beat, the sound, can't be. It's classic. Perfect captures a specific point in time, a specific place. But uh, you know, the whole I, beat I, I can't. Dis, I can't diss Black Moon. You know, I'll I'll go as far as to say that that song itself sounded different than the rest of the album. Um, that song was probably the 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 happiest of their songs, which is hard to say. <laughs> that was like the happiest song on on into the state. Um, 
so I, I I understand why you would why you would feel like eh, less than, but I mean that song is definitely uh I mean I, I still remember the, the music video. I mean the video was very like jump around happy too, but yeah, this is like Eminem. But, this is my dance song. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. That was the Black Moon dance song. <laughs> like you know I'm with with all the the. The, the talk of, you know, beating people up and some people out, you know, he was still doing some, like, I'm so cool, I'm so fly stuff in there, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's still, that's still, that's that's very New York hip-hop right there to me, you know, that's that's very Timbaland, Razor Blade, Buck 50, that's, you know. Oh, yeah, that, that whole beat minor sound, you don't, you don't miss, right. you don't miss, you don't mistake that for anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still giving that a 10. I'll, I'll give it a 10. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. Yeah. Listen to it anytime. I mean... One, two, three, four, and five! So the last in this five random song rotation, um, I think we're going to have a situation similar to the one we began with, with the uh, Tribe Called Quest remix. This time we've got Pete Rock and CL Smooth, mm. the I Gotta Love remix. And Another remix? Who remixed it? Remix. I would assume that it's just a matter of principle and pride that Pete Rock remixed it. Okay. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that the other version ended up on the album but let's let me not color anybody's opinion and let's uh check it out Trap steps the good fellas live on the screen that you protect this black queen. Taking my time from the black on black crime. Cause the night mecca hits, Victoria runs out of secrets. Doing trials and latex lifestyles, boo. I make you call my name and ask who it belongs to. Brand new CL and Carmel, living well and never cease to flip the hottest dime piece. Now the legend increases into a great Julie Mecca mate. So in every escapade, there's a panty raid. You know the rules slipping off them mute. Now we can settle with the Woman that could take me to that next level. Lay down the guns and make sons we could teach. From the horseback rides in the walks on the beach. And if it got pretty feet, I won't cheat. I'm in the strictly black girls when I rock at all the different worlds. Hey, my girl, I got to love. So what you wanna do? Sex me now or later. I got to love, baby. So what you wanna do? Sex me now or later. I got to love, baby. So what you wanna do? Sex me now or later. Slow wine under my ceiling fan. Read books and beat me at chess. But as for rocking you, who's the best? It's all good and correct with no disrespect. Skirt chasing hits, taking love to dig away planets. Be wise and recognize I'd rather show than tell. Who got the clout and stop faking me all out? Ease your troubles, place your body in the bubbles. Baby boy is fit around the cutie she run with. Embrace the move, thinking totally new with no limits. Going through every position within five minutes. Now how we did it, got a lot of honey. With it. Love is urban, now fitted, showing nothing but the belly button. Many parlay and peel off lingerie. Yeah. So when they come, pick the one you can learn from. Uh-huh. So feel the beating three peak like Jordan got wings. CL is doing them things again, player. Yo, I got a love, baby. 
Searching in your coach bag for money before you leave. I hug you till you can't breathe. We cool in the gang and kick slang, baby. Calling sick, but you kiss me goodbye and said I don't trick. She's so thick and God is my witness. Sometimes you just can't believe that I'm hitting this. Rewind off the peak rock design. I'm on a cutie with an ageless body, timeless mind. The kind of when I wind and down, she paid the bill. Cause it don't cost much to go Dutch, baby. I got a love, baby. So what you wanna do? Sex me now or later. I got a love, baby. So what you wanna do? Sex me now or later. I got a love, baby. So what you wanna do? Sex me now or later. I got a love, baby. So what you wanna do? Sex me now or later. I got a love. I got a love. That was clearly a Pete Rock remix, and yeah, that was that was clearly a Pete Rock. My remix. thing is, if I hadn't heard the original, and they had a less terrible hook, I would like that. But that sex me now or later, <laughs> sex me <laughs> now <laughs> or later. That Very cool. few remixes outstrip the original. It's got to be exceptional, and that's just another more evidence of that. You know. What what's a remix that's better than the original? Can you name one? Buddy. Off the top of your head? Buddy. See there you go. That's the that's the one. That's the, the gold standard. But beyond that, I kinda like the big remix a lot. What was that? The Big Papa remix. Oh yeah. I like that one. But beyond that mm. Yeah, I gotta I gotta admit, man, when about a minute into it, I was like, wait, is this the same song I remember? So I listened to part of the original to make sure that that was the same song like i was like wait it really dropped that far from what the original was like i really liked the original and i was like no this must be a different song that i'm thinking about yeah it that didn't have the a, horns that was a pretty bad remix i understand why they did it but that was not a good remix that was why why is that why did they do it um, that it's it's way more. Um, the original was more hip hop, and this one is like yeah. the R and B, the R and B styled version of it. Remember, there was a point when everybody was yeah. doing those R and B kind of R and B hip hop versions, and right, that's right. an R and B hip hop version of that song. The original was so much better. It's just, it was a pure hip. It's a hip pure hip hop song. So, yeah, I understand, but no. Yeah, that one that wasn't. That wasn't their best. Uh, it's just, again, I think that the fact that I'm so familiar 
with the original, that's, you know, I, I can't, I can't have a remix that is that, is that far removed from what I enjoyed. I think if I can pull it up here, the original. But I, I will, I will say that while you're looking for that original, I'm starting to think that in these 15,000 MP3s that you have, Uh-oh. yeah, man, I don't know. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to throw a filter on your 15,000. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how many of those are Jay Z records? I have a few. My favorite is the, yeah. uh, is that that one that that Danger Mouse. Uh, Redid. Oh, so he likes that, he likes that but yeah, and so and some stuff here and there. I just can't. hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of records. He has a few. I mean, I I'm pretty sure I have the entire Jay Z catalog, but out of fifteen thousand, that would still make up a relatively small small percentage. Yes. Let me see if you guys can hear this. Just a little snippet of from the original. What's going on, baby? Can you hear that? Yep. Definitely got a different vibe and feel. Yeah. Much, much better. Yeah. Hey, but, you know, when I download the, uh, the entire Peach Strumentals and Peter Rock and See All Smooth remixes and B-sides, hey, you know, that's going to be in there. I can't, I can't go through and say, just because I don't like this now, let me get rid of it. I'd have, like... 35 songs on my iPod. <laughs> and you, have, and you have the original iPod, right? You have like the classic joint? I have the iPod classic, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, which they don't even... They don't even make they, those anymore. Yeah, they slipped it off the market quietly into the night. Put it to yeah, bed. I'm talking about, you're talking about my phone. Yeah, but this has a practical use. There's no, there's no other option. They don't have a, a current model that has the capacity that, that this one has so it's not like I can upgrade you you were on that you were on that Nino Brown cell phone <laughs> exaggerating <laughs> I am my brother's keeper yes, yes I am so I we got one because we're we're running long but We've got one last thing to get to, and we kind of had to make a choice, so we're going to hold off New Music Martha till the next episode and get into something that's going to be a, a constant feature, which is You Big Dummy, and <laughs> each week we're going to pick a song, and we're going to play it, and there's going to be some reason why it's been nominated for the You Big Dummy of the Week award. And this song has been out for a while, but considering I don't typically listen to the radio or any 
go any of the places that the kids go to get their music. It's new to me, well, as of about a month ago, and it's got to be the, one of the most ignorant songs I've heard in quite some time. And, and that's, uh, saying, that's saying a lot these days. That is saying a lot, because, yeah, to be the, the, the stinkiest piece of garbage in the, in the landfill is, uh, is, a, is a tall task, but it was, it was achieved by OT Genesis. And we'll check it. We'll check it right after this. Oh yeah. You big dummy. You big dummy. You big cold-blooded dummy. You big dummy, see what you did? Oh no, you big dummy. Need a brick, miss my free throw. I'm in love with the 
I'm in love just like Neo. Busting shots, now he Neo. Free my homies, fuck the CEO. Fuck the judge, fuck my P.O. All this talk like I'm Nino. Water whip like I'm Nemo. Bacon soda, I got bacon soda. Bacon soda, I got bacon soda. Whip it through the glass, nigga. I'm blowing money fast, nigga. I'm in love with the coco. I'm in love with the coco. I got it for the lolo. I'm in love with the coco. I'm in love with the coco. I'm in love with the coco. I got it for the lolo. Turn up. I'm in love with the coco. That's the first time I've ever heard the entire song. Really? Uh, and hopefully the last time. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I just don't understand why that was ever made. Uh, it's, it's what? What it's is that? It's shocking that, like, there, as we've mentioned before, there was there have been drug raps and things like that done with much more uh, of an artistic flair and a little bit of sophistication and lyrical quality but this is just a horrible song about rocking up cocaine <laughs> I mean here's the thing like I've heard this song on the radio and it rarely gets past the minute mark like I always find a way to either turn the station if I haven't already by you know the first once I realized what song it is or but this is the first time I was like alright I'm listening to the entire song because you're playing it I'm gonna listen to it um and I, I usually like I can't tell you that the baking soda thing I, that's that has been a joke in my, my my wife makes stuff so that has been a joke in my house of baking soda I got baking soda <laughs> It's like this little sarcastic thing like we could say because you know you especially with kids you know you turn on the radio and you know you hear snippets of the songs so but really like there have been plenty of coke raps there have been plenty of drug raps have been you know I'm rolling up I was a fan of Cypress Hill I understand but this song is probably the zenith of ignorant coke rap I think they, they found a way to get all the way the most I'm not gonna uh, it's hard it's this is the zenith of coke rap there's, this you can you it's hard to go any further like this they should everybody should just turn around and go back from where they came I teach um, these multimedia courses at uh, elementary school and about mm, three or four weeks ago the kids these are second third graders and I was doing something and there were a couple of kids 
off to the side who weren't paying attention. And I hear, I got love for the cocoa. And I kind of looked. I told them, hey, hey, that's not, in a, that's not appropriate for school. Oh, Mr. Carter, you know what that means? You know what that means? Well, you know, please. Let's not talk about it, but it's so, it's horrible. And that's, and it's insanely popular, which I had no idea at the time I went and checked. It had like seven, eight million views on YouTube. Wow. Video. Well, the thing is mostly, you know, throughout history, art has become more sophisticated over time. And I think hip hop is going <laughs> in the opposite direction in a lot of ways. <laughs> you got that like right. Like it's just... <laughs> breaking it down to its very essence of total undeniable and unapologetic ignorance and the sad thing is it really is what the the kids today want to hear i mean as i understand it this is extraordinarily popular and very. with everybody yeah it's very popular to think about it, i think it's it's the catchiness of the hook because it's it's you know it's the it's just repetitive so my daughter my six-year-old daughter is aware, is aware of the hook. She doesn't hear the song, but because you flip in the written, you hear, I'm in love with the coke. So after a while, it's like any <laughs> other Barney song that you can find. And it's... <laughs> Except Barney's not rocking up cocaine. <laughs> Except Barney's not rocking up cocaine, exactly. But this song is... it. it that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a lot of what rap music, a lot of rap music is today is it's a very catchy hook filled with some ignorance but it's the hook that keeps people in because people are just waiting to hear the hook i'm in love over and over again it is it, is what he's talking about the style the style pattern of if you can call them raps and i'm not even gonna say rhymes raps like the whole thing about this song is like the ignorance and i know the fact that he is buster rhymes artist is probably an issue with all of us on this podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean at one point Buster was a person who was to throw out some, you know, some 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 knowledge itself and some righteous stuff. But this song coming from the guy who was on like very conscious hip hop songs, yeah. It really bothers it bothers. It bothers. As Dre mentioned yeah, to me. I mean, Chuck D put Busta Rhymes on, so OT Genesis is like two degrees separated from Chuck D. <laughs> bacon soda, I got bacon, bacon soda. I honestly don't understand it. I don't know why this would get made, but you're right, it's just the hook, and, and these days... I mean, I remember, you know, like we were talking about earlier about the golden age of hip-hop. I listened to hip-hop, it sort of opened my eyes to certain things and it made me want to, you know, there, there's books I read because I heard about them in hip-hop songs. And now it's just baking soda, so. Well. Hey, get off my lawn. Yeah, get, get off my lawn. But right now, and I think for the foreseeable future, OT Genesis is the You Big Dummy... <laughs> reigning undisputed <laughs> heavyweight champ. He's the, the Floyd Mayweather right. of ignorant dummies. I mean, he's I, like I, that guy who uh, did that flip into the end zone on the Bengals. He was number one on Sports Center for uh, like three years. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that uh, 
we've gone we've gone really deep. I think the uh, the De La Soul hustle uh, discussion extended a little longer, but you know, fuck it. We don't have any advertisers, and this is the this is the wild west of the internet. I don't have any rights to play any of this music. I, you know, do it because we <laughs> felt like doing it. It's hip hop. It's hip hop, right? You keep it hip hop. So yeah, we you know went over a bit. And there's there's some other little things that we plan to introduce in 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 future episodes uh, that we that we didn't get to. But I think that anyone who's sat through this entire nearly two and a half hour uh, experiment should clearly get a feel for the direction that uh, that this podcast is going as we. You know, make some changes, tweak things, streamline some other things, see what works, see what doesn't. Um, but this is this is a good good sample, and I know I know you two family men have uh, you know probably kids waiting to get some of your attention. Probably got lawns to mow and I got circuses to, to go to. All of that, the circus. All of that. Damn. Well, so. With that, uh, we're going to bring this first first episode to a close, and like I said, I appreciate you guys taking time away from your, from your families to do this, to do this for hip-hop, you, because you love De La Soul so much, you had to be here to defend their hustle. <laughs> defend De La. Defend, defend De La. Free De La. Free De La. Free De La. Yeah, so. and get the streaming off my damn lawn <laughs> and no more bacon soda I got bacon soda he's got bacon soda <laughs> sounds <laughs> sounds good we'll check it out alright everybody that is our show here it is your moment of zen I don't fuck with you you little stupid ass bitch I ain't fucking with you you little dumbass bitch, I ain't fucking with you. I got a million trillion things I'd rather fucking do than to be fucking with you. Little stupid ass, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Bitch, I don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. Don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. This ain't nothing but the E and D. Follow me into the sun and let your soul be free. The E and D, 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 the E and D,